We are creating our own road show out here, ladies and gentlemen. Artist Journal, January 11th, 2023. Broadcasting live from Berlin and Kansas City on the one-year anniversary of Rug Radio. So a big happy birthday to the team over at Rug Radio. My name is Adrian Pocabelli, and I welcome a legendary collector in the NFT space. You have likely seen his yellow balaclava somewhere out there on the Tezos blockchain. A bright, sunny welcome to Joe Rogan's dad out of Kansas City. JRD, how is your week going? It's going well, even better after that introduction. I appreciate <laughs> it very much. I can't resist. I have to just dramatize things to the most uh, I can. It is in my blood. And how is your week? How is your week going in general? And what are you seeing on the NFTs from your side? Just as people file in here, how are things going? You know, it's an interesting week for sure. I think we're all witnessing, as I would call, the purple rain. Um, you know, it's been really exciting to watch Uxine's sales, and um, you know, I think that that is even trickling over just to the Tezos art market as a whole. You know, when people are seeing those. You know, big sales on one of ones, lower, lower edition pieces. Even um, it's just really amazing. I think it's one of those kind of hero moments that helps push us all through. You know, it just helps the space as a whole. I share your sentiment. I mean, I was looking at Uxine's. He has a Discord. Someone sent me his Discord, and you saw collectors in there talking about how great Tezos is. And I was thinking to myself, you know. To your point about it being a hero moment, Uxine is kind of like, he's helping the whole Tezos blockchain. I agree. I think it's just really, you know, outstanding. And exactly that is what it is, is a hero moment. And, you know, everyone in the community is getting behind him. And exactly like we're starting to see some, you know, people that either collect, let's say, you know, maybe not a lot, but kind of go for more high value pieces on Tezos. Either way, that there's those deeper pockets, ETH collectors that are coming in, and I just think it's a beautiful sight, for sure. And, you know, like I said, that trickles down to the rest of the market. That gives people and, and you know, invigorates everybody a little bit, and it's just good for the space. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, for me, the biggest hurdle to going over to Tezos from Ethereum was the wallet. And it actually held me off for a couple of months because it's not MetaMask. You know, I ended up using Kukai. And once you figure it out, I mean, it takes a, maybe a couple of hours, not even, but you have to put in that little bit of effort to figure it out. And then once you're going, it's kind of like a whole new world out there. So I get the impression that collectors, ETH collectors are discovering that they have to go over to Tezos to pick up Uxine's early work. And that's exactly what they were saying in that Discord that I was telling you about. They're saying a lot of these ETH artists, their early work is on Tezos, you know, and they're kind of excited. And there you pick it up for pennies on the dollar. Even, you know, quote unquote, expensive Tezos work is, you know, relative to what these guys are paying for the same artist's work on Ethereum. Again, is it's a, it's a steal. 
Yes. And, you know, the other kind of coupling factor to that, too, is artists that are primarily on Tezos and kind of some of those secondary listings. I think it's something important to just kind of highlight. People like GloomTube, The Myth, you know, a lot of those secondary listings, they're really starting to dry up. I mean, there's not very many low price secondary listings from some of these fan favorite artists. And, you know, once again, I think it's like they're paying their dues. They're getting this is how it should be. And, you know, people are starting to realize there's some great art on the secondary. And this is the time to pick it up. If you're wanting that one piece that got away, this is the time. Yeah, I saw the same thing. I was on GloomTube's page this morning and I thought the exact same thing. In a sense, I was still kind of impressed at what was left. But compared to where we were, even like a month ago or two months ago or three months ago, it feels almost like a six month kind of real drying up of supply. And exactly like artists like GloomTube, you get the sense that they are right on the verge of kind of drying up at these kind of what you might call traditional prices. Now, just a shout out to everybody in the audience, and it is filling up over here. If you guys want to join the stage, just put a request to speak and I will bring you up and we can all be happy to ask you about your work and ask you how you're feeling about things on the market. So big shout out to everyone. And look at this. We have some great people in the crowd here. Sabato, McTXT, Santiago, Mikey de la Creme, Sky Goodman. This is fabulous. Agor is out there. Padrino. I mean, it's uh, again, once again, a all-star cast. And Indio, who was filling me in on what's going on on Uxian scene. So, Joe, JRD, I have a question for you regarding the market. And I get the impression that a lot of people, like what we're discussing, that I get the sense that a lot of people who have been collecting on Tezos in the last year, year and a half, have not got the memo. And they're still kind of selling at too low of prices, really. And they're kind of still happy to get, you know, a 50% move you know, buying something for 12 Tezos and it feels like sometimes they're selling it for 18 or 24 Tezos and thinking that, you know, that it's a good idea. And I look at it and I'm not sure, like there's in fiat terms, they may even be selling for lower or at the same price. Do you have any thoughts on people uh, selling maybe too low on the secondary? No, I would say we, you know, people that have been in a year, year and a half, and especially when any artist is on a trend, you're going to have people selling. And, you know, honestly, I would say if you're going to sell an NFT, I think that's a little bit better than just arbitrarily listing it. Um, when When a artist is trending, that would be a good time to at least pay attention. But yes, are there people that are definitely putting it too low? Yeah. Um, I think partly, you know, some people could need the funds. And then I think partly, too, they're not really paying attention to the math. When, you know, they could have bought in when Tezos was roughly five times higher. That's something that you need to be aware of when you're making those trades. And when you purchased your Tezos to purchase a lot of those pieces, you're considering selling on secondary now. Um, so is it a wise move? No, not really. And, you know, I wouldn't advise. I mean, it's kind of like at a minimum, you need to be seeing like something like 6X, like to really kind of have it make sense in most cases. And just 
for me, there's always going to be like some people like when you're looking at gloom tube or the myth, there's going to be some people that are always looking to sell during that trend. And just because there are a lot of additions and a lot of work, there's a lot of pieces that are still like you were saying before, Pocobelli, like you're kind of surprised. There are still some cheaper prices, not a ton of uh, pieces that are cheaper or affordable or that traditional price that we were seeing. But that's, you know, slowly, like I said, that's slowly drying up. And I think those people that are selling early, they're going to come to regret it in some cases. On that point, you know what I'm seeing? Just like, like Uxine, for all we know, that could be a big preview on this space. And I could be overly bullish. I have been guilty of that many times in my life, but it really could be a preview. And one of the really interesting things I see is the difference between, say, an addition of 10 and an addition of 20. Like the additions of 10 now, I mean, they're getting priced at like, you know, 5,000 Tezos. I mean, one just went this morning. What was it for? That was a one of one went for 10,000 Tezos. And you go, probably not a bad investment. But then you see the editions uh, of 20, they're still down at 1,000, even if the work is just as strong or stronger than the addition of 10. So you're really seeing that difference in supply, how it changes you know, on secondary when an artist really blows up. And that could, again, that could be a preview for several artists in this space, should this continue. Uh, do, you, do you have any thoughts on addition numbers, JRD? You know, hey, I like to collect them all. I like to, when even when I'm creating, I like to change up my edition count. Um, what I have noticed, like even kind of going back to, to Uxine or anyone like that, one little thing I thought that was interesting about him and especially with his trend up here is high sales. He's got a lot of work, you know? So it's like, there's a lot of work to purchase and people have. And what's amazing to me too is even the, higher edition pieces are like trading for over a hundred or, you know, I mean, that's amazing. In my opinion, I don't think I've really ever seen that almost. It's like a little X factor when you're starting to see those, like, you know, 200, 300 count, a hundred count, you know, that's selling well over a hundred. Not many people can do that because Hey, there's a hundred people that could be accepting offers, putting in listings and they're not. So I think that that is very interesting. I always prefer that under 25 count for me personally. And I love 10 because 10, like for instance, somebody with the myth, I just had bought uh, the piece he admitted the other day on secondary and there's only 10. I had to pay double for it. But what I came to the conclusion of was the people that already own the piece are kind of diehards. So it's going to cost me a lot more money later on if I even have the opportunity to purchase it later on. So I just went with it. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm saying. I love that like 10 number because it keeps like those who really want it having it. And those that don't or those that do want it on, have to pay for it on secondary. Um, so I just kind of it depends, but I like to keep it tight. But I just thought it was interesting how Uxine is able to be able those high additions are selling for incredible prices. And it's really impressive. Yeah, I noticed that too. I mean, I think there was even an addition of like 340 or something that was selling for like 70, you know, just like from loose memory here. I mean, so pretty remarkable stuff. When And I get the sense that he's actually exciting both blockchains right now. I mean, Robness started that auction on Super Rare for him yesterday, Robness V2 at an ETH. 
And, you know, then you see like a bored ape kind of like, you know, uh, what looks like, a, you know, I don't want to know if I'd call him an influencer, but kind of like a prominent, you know, ETH collector, you know, singing the praises of Uxine there. Yeah, I mean, there is a real excitement there. And it's not just a Tezos thing. Like, and, and again, so I mean, it's in a sense, a, a, it speaks to the power of art. Because, you know, it, it goes across these boundaries, you know, and uh, it's a wonderful thing to see. Now, JRD, and, and actually just a quick shout out, if anybody wants to come on stage, come join the conversation. We'd be happy to ask you a couple of questions. You can tell us about your new work. We'd be more than happy to have you out there, up here. So just request to speak and I or JRD will bring you on stage and shout out to Haiti Rockette, who I see in the crowd there a wonderful cast, Martin Joe, and thank you for that work of me and G JRD yesterday, which was hilarious. Yes. So JRD, you've mentioned in the past that like, there's this whole issue with stablecoin versus the crypto. And for me, I kind of like buying the work uh, with the crypto because I'm an artist, because I can see, okay, if the, you know, if the price goes up in Tezos, like say Uxine, you might you could argue has wonderful timing here because he's going to be selling for five or ten thousand. I mean, he just sold a one of one for ten thousand Tezos. And so what happens when Tezos goes back up to four dollars? Should it do that? Is he going to reduce his prices? I, I don't think so. I mean, that's how it worked on ETH. That's how the prices went higher. So you've mentioned in the past, though, that maybe a stable coin might make more sense. I mean, you're more of a collector. I mean, you are an artist as well, but tell me what you just what your thoughts are on that. You know, here's the thing: just being in it now for a while, and hey, I had supported a lot of people. I spent a good amount of Tez, and I am a collector, but I still have to be mindful of what's going on with my collection. And so, when the crypto, you know, takes a five x hit, I don't think you know it's not in a position where you know I'm upset with art or anything like that but is it upsetting that some of the you know early adopters are you know have taken a real hit in their bags in the sense that you know people jumping on they're getting a better deal so you know it's one of those things if we're starting to take more of the speculation out of it i just thought it was a provocative idea if you know art could be minted and sold on a currency which does not see any volatility and you know people are, have told me like what do you mean they're already doing that like nifty gateway you can pay with cash but the market psychology is tied to that face value in the cryptocurrency most of the time when we've taken this currency hit here on tezos you don't see people marking up their prices for their mint five times to match that we're all kind of getting hit together so i just think it's an interesting idea to be put forward if there was truly a you know marketplace where people were buying in some sort of stable coin and i mean it would theoretically be more stable you know there would probably be less speculation i mean it could be you know quote unquote more a little boring but you know who knows like i said i just thought it was an interesting thought i don't have the dev skills or anything like that to kind of bring it into fruition but you know maybe there is someone out there that can or at least pursue the idea yeah, I mean, my sort of first thought on that, and I have seen that on Nifty Gateway, is 
you know, you'll see stuff going for $130 and it just seems to me as if the art would go for so much cheaper because when you put something in Tezos or in Ethereum, again, it's kind of got that magic internet money feel to it. So it's almost like it's not, you know, it's toy money. It's like, I'll never forget the first time I actually went from crypto to fiat. And it wasn't till like a, over a year after kind of getting into crypto. And it was a magical moment for me because I was like, oh, this is real money. You know, and it was kind of, kind of just like knocked me on the head like, wow, that's awesome. Right. Uh, but so anyways, I, yeah, I can't help but feel maybe it would go for lower prices. And I see Chi Moscow has joined us on the stage and it's always great for Chi to come in. Chi, do you have any thoughts? And first of all, just tell us how your show is going. I mean, that thing is about to launch there. You're in Seattle, if I remember correctly, of course. How are you doing, Chi? Oh, I'm doing good, man. How are y'all doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, just it's been a productive week. And when I'm productive, when I'm making art, I feel like an artist and that makes me happy and I can go to sleep with a smile on my face. You know. Oh, yeah. Productivity is key. <laughs> yes, it sure is. And when you're not productive in a way that you want to be, it's just kind of a sad situation. So speaking of productivity, how are things going? I mean, you must be pretty busy with your show. Oh, yeah. On. Yeah, so the show opening uh, was last Thursday, uh, and it was uh, it was amazing, actually. Such a good turnout. I think we had almost 300 visitors. It was just, like, opened a lot of people's mind. Like, so many people had, like, you know, blockchain's kind of buzzing, but, like, there's still, uh, most of the population doesn't, doesn't get it. And so uh, a lot of people were onboarded to the fact of like, oh, actually, this is a thing. I really enjoy this work. Got a lot of compliments about everybody's work that was in the show. And uh, people were really blown away by this guy, uh, Food Mask U, who's like a performance artist who is now, you know, is he films his performances and that is his NFT. And um, people were really just blown away with the creativity in the space. That is super interesting. And I assume these were not, you know, quote unquote crypto native people here like these are not at all these, they're all trad yeah all trad and that's so interesting now was it kind of more your circle of you know friends and acquaintances or i mean you're right in downtown seattle like so did you feel like you got a lot of people off the street i would say 80 percent is off the street interesting and it sounds like it yeah. was a hit right like i mean Oh, it was, yeah. People were blown away. People were really blown away, too, which I hadn't really thought of as much as having the in real life gallery show and then having a parallel virtual gallery space was very interesting. Like for people, that was like, I think, the connecting link between people understanding that this is not just digital. It has more applications. Like it can be projected, it can be virtual gallery, it could probably be in a, a virtual display in the house. I mean, there's so many, it could be printed, like there's all these different options now that people can see the, the variety of it. That is fascinating. And did you, in a sense, did you sell anything? Like, did you get the impression that people might have gone home and set up? I mean, again, there's a bit of a learning curve. It's not huge, but it's big enough where it's kept out many of my friends who want to do it, but they're just, you know, not willing to take that extra step. 
And so it just kind of drifts yeah. on for months. Like, did you get the sense that anybody was going to go and did you sell anything through this uh, situation? So we did sell. So through the show, I wouldn't say as much. So like, I definitely think there is a barrier still. I think it was more of like a like an eye opening experience for a lot of people. Um, even with the artists that I that might were Seattle artists that were interested in the show uh, and were in the show, but they w- didn't have enough, uh, you know, energy, I guess, to say to like make the wallet. And so I ended up minting a lot of people's work, um, and they just sent me the work to mint for them to be, participate in the show. But I think that was like almost like a baby step into get entering the market uh, and to what, what I was telling people with a lot of other artists, because I've met tons of other artists there and uh, that I didn't know. And I'm telling them, this is another way for you to monetize your work. You're already making it. This is another way for you to to gain some financial freedom from from having to deal with a gatekeeper traditionally, which would be me. Or like, could I own the gallery or like somebody else? Now you can bypass that and don't even need to worry about that. And you go peer to peer. And I think that stuff with resonated with a lot of people when you're talking about peer to peer. And like, this is what old LimeWire or Napster was like, people want something, they ask for it and you give it to them. What I love about that is it's so different from what they're hearing on the news. I mean, all you hear on the news, generally speaking, is how, you know, NFTs have not come and gone, but I mean, more or less have come and gone and that, you know, and crypto is a mess and everything. So this is such a different narrative. And was anybody, did you get the sense that they were kind of excited about the possibilities and how, you know, they might actually have a revenue stream here and that maybe they could make some digital art where they don't even need to buy any tools, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, it just like, it was, it was so much of like, I didn't even really need it to convince people because they could see past like a PFP. Like this is not PFP. Like this is real art. It's in a real gallery. And it's now like, it's, it's like what you're talking about that. Like, I think you're calling it like social capital or something like that, or it, something along those kind of peer review, social, whatever words you want to use. Social proof, maybe social proof that's right yeah so that was pretty much it and it's like so much like the trad world too where it's like okay you're walking around you're going to all these other galleries now you walk into a gallery there's this new type of art but it's in a gallery so it's art oh you know that's such a good point like it's sometimes it's that simple you know it's just like oh i can walk into the room and it's there and therefore it's it it's it's no longer an abstraction you know it becomes Exactly. It becomes real. Well, she hang on the line here because uh, I might have some more questions. If you can hold on, uh, Sky Goodman oh, has yeah. just arrived here, and it's great uh, to hear from Sky Goodman, who I've never speak to in person. Sky, how are you doing? What are you working on? Hey, good morning. Um, yeah, how are you doing? We're doing great out here. Uh, we're really enjoying doing the spaces. The show's growing. I think I just showed one of your works the other day. I'm really enjoying watching your foray into AI. Now, did, could you give like a quick like couple of sentences or three or four sentences on your background? Because I actually don't know, but it, I mean, clearly you've been around for a while and you've been doing some pretty interesting things from what I could tell. 
Yeah. Um, well, my formal training is actually in poetry. So I got an MFA in creative writing and poetry. So I was kind of a, a poet first, but I, um, I'm not formally trained in art, but I've always been dabbling it in it my whole life. So like watercolor paintings and I was a real comic book nerd growing up. So I got into drawing comic strips and stuff like that. And then, um, Sabato's here. So Sabato knows in 2014, my computer glitched out while I was watching the World Cup. And that was how everything changed for me. And um, I got into glitch art. And that's when everything kind of turned from painting and drawing to working with tech in my art. So I just really embrace old technology and new technology. So anything that I can get my hands on, whether it's old televisions or old video mixers, or it's VR or it's AI, I just, um, I love like anything that I can get my hands on to create, to create with basically. I kind of share your feeling in that respect. Like when I hear, you know, it, it, it's hard not to be excited about something like AI and, you know, the, the work itself with AIs kind of might seem kind of far from what I, I might've been working on, but it's just like, it was something that revolutionary. It's really hard not to get excited about and want to use and see if you can even just work it into your own process. I love how you got into Glitch and of all things, watching the World Cup, <laughs> which is even better. I mean, it wasn't like watching Good Morning America or something. It was watching the World Cup. I love that. And so now yeah. you've used AI. I mean, tell us uh, what you want to tell us about it. But like, if you can, what are you using? And you know, what what's your just your experience with AI? How long have you been? Yeah, so I started, um, so I'm not as early as, as people who are like, really, I remember like an artist like Ellie Pritz and um, Chris Allen and people who were really using kind of stable diffusion before kind of the wave hit of these text prompts coming in. But I'm kind of on the tech, text prompt wave because I'm a little bit like if, it, if things get like too complex, then I, I get a little bit overwhelmed. So. I started basically when Mid Journey was in beta and I got in there early. I guess I was early into Mid Journey kind of before everybody got got there. And so it's really just been what is what is that the last 4 or 5 months really? It feels like just like the NFT space like tracking the AI space in the recent months. It's like it feels like it's been 2 years, but maybe it's only been a few months, I don't know. So yeah, I started with that and I basically started feeding scapes that I had created with VR and Blender. I just started feeding that into Midjourney and then I got onto Dolly. So then I would take like the remixes that Midjourney created with my work and then I would feed that into Dolly and then take those remixes, feed that back into Midjourney. And then I got really into like this sort of generative feedback loop of uh, source material started with my own work, but then seeing how the AI would kind of continue to to interpret it. And then um, kind of after doing that, I started to, I have a the Impossible Sneaker series, which I know you, you know about, but then I started this Lost Sneaker series, which is like AI generated sneaker concepts that are then pixel sorted. Um, so it's been really fun playing with fashion. And then right now I'm working on a new series that hasn't dropped yet that will be coming soon. We're kind of mixing 
basketball icons with psychedelic rock like aesthetics and aliens. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. But I think the the thing about AI to me is that it's just an, an imagination engine. It gets uh, my brain going in different ways. And it's I'm not interested in having like something that's like, oh, that's obviously a mid-journey aesthetic or that's a dog aesthetic. I'm interested in it still staying like Sky Goodman, but it just gives you that extra bit of weirdness, you know? That's fun and playful. You know, that's something like th that I recollect actually from looking at your work. It looks like you do a lot of exporting, like between programs. It's not like you stick to one software, right? Like you like to export a lot. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of exporting too, because to your point, it, it it makes it more of like a Sky Goodman work, right? Where you're not being, yeah. you know, it's not a one trick pony you know, sort of show where, okay, I'm really good at mid journey and end of story, or I'm really good at this Photoshop. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I, I, I do love uh, this idea of exporting uh, between softwares to really get kind of a, I guess, organic, you know, digital work. Uh, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I feel that sentiment so strongly. I've always, um, felt that like that's that's where you find the magic is is kind of you know go go into one program what is it what happens to an image then if you run it through something else and then if you take it and then I think you kind of then that's where you find the accidental aesthetic that wows you and I think that's that's kind of what I'm always hunting for is like I'll be generating images and playing and moving things around and it's not until like my serotonin pops off and my eyes like start to just have crystals inside of them when I'm looking at a piece and I'm like, ah, like the, the computer and the way it interacted with this and with that and with that just did this weird thing. And now I've found a flow, you know? So I, I absolutely love when people are working, you know, in interesting ways where you can't really peel back all the layers and figure out how they got to where they, they got with it, but you know that it's, it's totally them. Absolutely. That becomes like a part of the aesthetic, uh, you know, uh, when you can't yeah. figure it out, you know, and something sometimes as simple as just, you know, when you're exporting between, you know, apps or software or whatever, sometimes just like the canvas size, you know, working on a different, you know, some softwares will use, you know, maybe you're using one canvas size and then on another software, you're using a different canvas size and you plop it in and all voila you know, the the accidental masterpiece that you never could have planned, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Like the difference between if I'm if I'm making video feedback and I'm rescanning off of a off of a flat screen L C D monitor versus a CRT monitor, that's gonna create a completely different work. Absolutely. And JRD, you know, come in to the conversation here. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, you know, uh and it's great to hear you, Sky. Um I've been following your work for a while and I just thought it was really interesting, um, you know, just the sneakers and your use of AI and especially like it isn't, you know, exactly, it's not outwardly, you know, that's a mid journey input or it is definitely your own style. And I really enjoy that. And I, you know, just wanted to let you know that I am a fan. Appreciate that. I remember you from super early days. 
<laughs> oh yeah oh yeah still here we're both still here <laughs> yeah sorry. when did you guys uh, joe rogan's dad when did you actually join on uh i guess it was like hen like when did you uh, land on tezos so i kind of missed the whole hen situation unfortunately it sounded like a great time i got in in about december i had started to collect rata on ethereum and I have a great pixel piece, one of one that I purchased with my cousin Rune Tune. And we wanted to get more Rata art. And then Rata was talking about Tezos. So we started to check it out. And then we also happened to be really big fans of Dark Farms. And Dark Farms had a bunch of Tezos work. They haven't really released anything for a while recently, but that was about December. So we started to collect there and I was kind of hit and miss, you know, a few pieces there. Um, and then by about January, February, I just kind of made the conclusion that I enjoyed collecting on Tezos way more than playing the PFP game or, you know, I don't do that at all anymore. And once I come, have come over to Tezos, it's been a lot more fulfilling. You know, I feel like if I never would have discovered it, I probably wouldn't be here in the same sense. Um, I would still have NFTs be interested in them, but it wouldn't be as part of a part of me, you know, kind of like this Tezos thing is. Um, I think at this point, anyone who's been, you know, collecting for like about a year, you know, you've given a piece of yourself to this thing. And I've enjoyed every minute. I got, you know, no regrets. But uh, really, like I said, I got in heavy January, kind of February, March. I was buying up all the really good secondary stuff I, I had my eye on. And I got into La Creme. And it was just kind of from there, you know, I met some great people, people that are in here. Um, you know, Mikey, Art of Death, um, Padrino. Um, and then a little shout out, my friend uh, Kobe24px, who is in here. He actually has been my friend in, in, in real life, and he showed me NFTs and all this. So without him, there would be no JRD. So, hey, thanks, Kobe. Appreciate it. Man. That's great. And you know what's so funny about your trajectory is mine was almost identical. I was, it was Rata. I was buying, it was like a Rata pixel artwork. And I remember he tweeted it out. And he put like some Baroque or, you know, classical music. And it was like the horse running through the field with like the medieval guy on it. And it was just like, it blew my mind. And it's very similar to you. Like I was just kind of, you know, it was the greatest bull market of all time. And I was like kind of speculating on the PFPs, which is like very probably similar to you, which is how I bought the collection that I have on Tezos. Uh, and it was the MFers or whatever. And then, you know, so I started with Rata, you know, and it was right around that same time. I minted on December, so a little over a year ago. And then it was kind of late January as the PFP market really just kind of went crazy uh, and then bl blow off top. There wasn't really in crypto, but I think in, in uh, NFTs there was the blow off top. And uh, yeah, and that was that. And then as things cooled off, I kind of, as you say, it's kind of more soul fulfilling uh, to collect on Tezos. And again, you're buying these ar artists uh, for pennies on the dollar still. And even more so, in a sense, you just don't have as much supply. But I mean, it's the prices are, you know, when I see people selling editions of 10, you know, on secondary, like as a secondary, uh, you know, thing that you bought a year ago, 
from a prominent artist. Like I brought bought a Hasdrubal waffle one of one for 15 tezos yesterday. And I thought that's ridiculous. Like what is this person doing? Like I felt bad, you know, like, so JRD, did you have any comments on that? Um, you know, I just, I thought it was kind of interesting uh, as far as, you know, just the price, like how that's kind of changed. Like when I was on Ethereum and I was collecting PFPs and the MFers and, you know, there's even legitimately some pretty good Ethereum projects that just kind of like soft rug, like even with some good artists behind them. I remember I was a fan of uh, Creature World and that artist behind that, Danny Coleman. You know, I just watching that and like seeing all these PFPs and what you did like pay in gas. At one point, I had to just step back and be like, whoa, this is pretty ridiculous. I mean, I can get hurt pretty easily. Like, you know, this is really degenerate stuff like this is straight up gambling um and you know it was kind of embarrassing and it's like like i didn't want to tell people like you know i mean it's harder to be an evangelist to to normies when you know it's trying to convince them of some of these pfps and things whereas on tezos when i'm collecting art like i'm not ashamed of it at all i'll let anyone you know know who's my family or friends I enjoy collecting this and it's meaningful and I'm proud of it. So I just think it's kind of an interesting, you know, change from kind of the PFP speculator on ease to really the art enjoyer, you know, as we say, or, I mean, that's really kind of how it has been for me. And I think other people have, you know, like yourself, like have kind of followed that path and made that kind of self-realization. Yeah. It, it, it brings out your inner connoisseur, doesn't it? And, uh, yeah, I never thought I could afford to collect art, you know, before that year. And then all of a sudden there's the cheapest art ever, uh, which was funner than what I was seeing in the galleries, you know, uh, here locally and just wherever I went. Martin Joe, unfortunately, we lost Santiago. He probably had to go. It's early in Uruguay. I would have loved to have talked to him. He was the first guy actually to come on stage at the first show. Uh, but we will catch up with Santiago another show and Santiago feel free to request if you are free to come back on stage Martin Joe how are things going and what is new on in your neck of the woods hi guys how are you doing I am doing wonderful uh, and we really appreciated that great NFT that you put out yesterday I am finally in with the kinky bears uh, so my my work my work is done here glad you like it guys yeah, playing a little bit with the AI. Yeah, awesome. Um, and what are you using, Martin Joe? It's looking good. Uh, I'm using Stable Diffusion. I downloaded the notebook and and using with Google Collab. So uh, it's a, a lot of fun. I like uh, as, as I put on on the Twitter. I like. Um, the, those uh, deformations they suit very well with my style, and I think that's the the AI style. I see a lot of people trying to achieve um, hyper realism, and I think uh, it's it's fun, but kind of weird that always uh, realism uh, claiming. The art, don't don't you think? Like, are are you saying that you think that people are trying to be too realistic with the? Exactly. Yeah. That's an interesting 
comment, you know, because I mean, because it's getting pretty realistic out there. Like, I mean, there's some like you almost get the sense like in the prompt, it's like photorealistic, you know, is one of the words they're using, you know, like, you know, it's getting pretty impressive. Uh, But I take your point, like from, you know, purely art perspective. I mean, you'd have to see the work and you'd have to hear what the artist had to say on why they were doing it. But it's an interesting kind of critique, like in a sense, maybe we shouldn't be trying to be as realistic as possible with AI. And and I I do take your point, uh, say, when I'm fooling around with AI, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested. I I guess I'm more interested in making it like the paintings when people make it like a 17th century painting than making it like hyper-realistic photography. Yeah, and that's why I love when you show um, AI abstraction art. I think that's its um, uh, bold uh, political move in sort of way. That's super interesting. And yeah, you get the sense that Kandinsky is popular or Juan Miro is popular. I'm not sure, again, like I've only kind of grazed these tools. I've barely used them. Um, but yeah, you almost can see, uh, you know, Kandinsky and, you know, whomever else, uh, but I don't know. Uh, like I assume people are kind of uploading and combining and whatnot. Uh, so for you, as far as when you're making, say your Kinky Bear series, how, how do you start in, in, in that respect? Like how, what, do you start with a work of art you have and then you upload it to Stable Diffusion or, or what are you doing? No, no, I'm trying to to use the um, only prompts to just to play around with the, the AI uh, capability to understand what, what I'm trying to do in sort of way. And, and then I use Photoshop and then I use uh, image to image again to add some new features from the AI. That's mostly my process with, with AI. Okay, that's fascinating. So you're starting with just the prompt and you're getting a pretty consistent uh, image of those bears. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I want to to make um, the AI kinky bears, not, not what I design, but what AI design. Beautiful. I love I love that concept, uh, Martin Joe. That's you know I love how you're thinking about it. Uh, so that's very interesting. Thank you for coming on stage, and we might come back to you here. Let's get Santiago on. I haven't heard from Santiago since the first show, and he's just the most entertaining guy. And he was all over. I think it was Monday's show. So Santiago, welcome to the show. How are you doing? What are you working on? How are you doing, guys? I hope you can hear me fine and clear. Uh, correctly. Great. Because my my phone was like making an act like some minutes ago when you asked where where I was. So I'm doing good. I'm happy with what I'm working in. I'm happy to see that yesterday Hasdrubal page has been like attacked. All, all his low secondary disappeared. And that was uh, for me, like, let's go art. So I'm happy about that too. That's more about the scene that, than about me. And I was just 
moving those little vectors right now when as we started speaking. Now I, I came outside of the house to smoke. How are you guys <laughs> doing? What's what's new? Well, you know, it's funny you were mentioning Heads Drupal uh waffle there. Yeah, I may have been guilty for a few of those secondary buys and you know, you were right. Like I again, like I mentioned it in an earlier occasion, like I was slow to figure it out. But once I figure it out, like I mean to your point, like you're getting bullish on the scene when you start to see artists like Hasdrubal Waffle uh, start to move. And I agree, like I, I like just in my own kind of growth here, like I'm seeing like there's an increasing sophistication of what we're calling, you know, uh, collectible art here, you know, art that has to be owned. And, you know, uh, so once I understood it uh, and then he has a couple of accounts, everyone. So, yeah, anyways. Yeah, it's crazy. So, for example, when Waffles was uh, with the the previous account, he went into some crazy burn mechanics. But I mean, I see uh, games of burning mechanics in the in the space. But this was very special because it was very cheap pieces, very tight edition sizes. It was like the close crowd to that art was fascinated and crazy about it. And I don't think uh, more than 20 people were seeing that while, while it happened. So that was crazy and special, let's say. I believe it. Like I looked at some of the, you know, history of some of those works just of the collecting. And again, like, Till about a couple of weeks ago, it looked like they were going for like, you know, not much money. And yeah, like, I mean, to your point, it, there wasn't a very large audience, but you could see in the future, like, again, like, I think it might be a lot slower for people to figure out has Drupal. It sure, at least for me, it was, you know, but you could see in the future those pieces going, uh, like, and who knows, not financial advice, they could all stay where they are or, or lower. Uh, but I mean, there's just a huge collectability. Like once you kind of understand and just pay closer to attention to what he's doing, it he it's just what a discovery. Like and so, anyways, I was thrilled to just kind of figure it figure it out or have it click for me. Let's put it that way. Santiago, what are you working on? I saw you put out a work in progress for your latest piece on Super Rare. Uh, tell us, like, are you using AI? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days. Yeah. So about this one. It has uh, most of all of my digital paintings that I kind of kill for for the the, um, the new painting to exist. Like I make this uh, vectorization and then play with the vectors, and in the process I made, for example, great game paintings that are not gonna be minted or anything. They are just posted as part of that whip. So maybe it could be a set of, let's say, 10 images that I'm very proud of, but that will die in that work of art. Yeah, the recycling is super interesting. And as far as using GIMP, like, do you, do you use it because you love it? Or because I, I tried using it maybe three or four years ago when I got a new computer and I thought, and I didn't want to subscribe to Photoshop and I couldn't get the you know, what was working on my old computer, working on my new computer. 
with my Mac update or whatever. So then I tried GIMP out. I found it kind of hard, but have you, how long have you been using GIMP? So I'm a GIMP user uh, exclusively, exclusively not because I use Inkscape 2, which is uh, free software as well. But uh, I'm a GIMP user just and not Photoshop for like five years. And it was kind of the same situation you were in. Uh, I couldn't get the cracked uh, Photoshop to work, or I was with a lot of problems to do that. So I got GIMP, and I had already, before this mindset about lobbying open source, I'm, I'm like not big on tech, uh, but I love open source software, and I... I enjoy it and I feel a, a political sense in it too. And I'm a Blender user for now, I think uh, it would be 13 years, a, a slow learner of Blender. I have always done little things in Blender, but yeah, there, there was always a lot of political, but a, a slightly political, right? Uh, about creativity and sharing that is uh, really great in the open source viewpoints. I have more to say about this because uh, most of the FOSS community is uh, looks at NFTs bad. We can talk about that later. Well, yeah, no, it's super interesting. And what, like, again, I think you could hang, like you'd hang, your work would hang well in, with Hasdrubal Waffle in the sense that you guys, you, it seems like your ideas are trumping the tools. Like, I mean, Hasdrubal there with maybe Mario Paint and who knows what else. It's pretty interesting when you just embrace these textures and just whatever the tools make. And that's a really interesting point that you add about just kind of like the political nature of open source. You know, it's not corporate, it's free you know, which comes with its own kind of set of values uh, along with it. So that's super interesting. Well, maybe I could open it up. I mean, Joe Rogan's dad, do you have any questions? Or Sky Goodman, does anybody have anything uh, to add? You know, uh, I was just going to say first for Martin, you know, hey, thank you for your continued support. You know, you've been a great member of the Vanguard, and I really appreciate you uh, making that piece highlighting Poco Belly and myself. I really enjoy your work, the Kinky Bears. It's a, you know, it's a cool uh, character ethos that you've made your own. And I really enjoyed your 3D works as well. I thought they were very, um, you know, just very well put together. And of course, as, as you know, as we talk about Santiago, the comedian of Tezos, um, we all appreciate, you know, what you do. You know, I really enjoy your art. I've been watching you for a long time. I enjoy following you on Twitter. You're one of these pillars of this Tezos community. So it's just really, you know, nice to get a chance. And you as well, Sky, a pillar of this community. Um, it's really, you know, just great. It's great. I feel great getting a chance to uh, speak with you guys. So thank you very much. Yeah, I'd, I'd add that as well. I mean, what a, again, all-star cast here. Martin, Joe, Sky Goodman, Santiago, Chi Moscow. Uh, Chi Moscow, going back to you. Uh, is your show still up? Is it still, can people still see it in Seattle or I guess it's on, on cyber? What, what's next for you? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's on now in a 
altered aspect. Um, so we're, I'm actually um, working on uh, a show at uh, another gallery uh, in our space. So um, I basically changed the layout and now we're just projecting out of the window. We're projecting the images out of the window um, so that people can see them. And it's like a rear projection. So uh, it's still quite big. It's like a four by four, four, uh, four feet by four feet uh, projection out the window. Um, and then uh, we also are running the online space. And um, I was telling people that it was kind of like the inaugural opening of that space because we want to continue curating uh, that virtual space and having that um, kind of be our our virtual footprint. So yeah, that's that's next. And you know, we're always just having shows at our gallery, and uh, we want to have more NFT shows. I think it was a big hit. So uh, we're actually going to try to do another open call for later on in the year uh, and have another one of those shows because, I mean, there's no reason why we shouldn't have at least two of those a year. I mean, at minimum, because it's uh, so accessible to uh, reach out to people and have their work shipped into the gallery for, for no cost. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, like, it's almost like you could set up a computer in the gallery if this got big enough, you know, and just for setting up people's wallets or something, you know, like. Yeah, totally. Like, we want to have another workshop, too, because I think people were, you know, it's weird because it's, you know, the digital space is still very daunting for some people. Like, I feel like, especially some older artists, like, it's similar to, like, some people like not wanting to like use a, a cell phone or something like that, or even most traditional artists. I know a lot of traditional artists in in the gallery realm or whatever, and they don't even really like use computers and they're all canvas and oil or, you know, but hearing everybody talk about it, I'm like, we're all mixed media artists actually now. Like everybody's talking about running, you know, exporting into new programs. And I'm like, well, that's mixed media. So I'm like, oh. We just probably put everybody under the same umbrella there and start going. I love it. I love it. Uh, Sky Goodman, uh, what's up next for you? I mean, it's funny. Like, I saw your work at the Berlin. What's the main uh, art festival there? Or like the main, uh, when was that? I guess it was like maybe three or four months ago. Berlin Positions is the main art fair in Berlin. I saw your work there. What are you up to? I wouldn't be surprised if you're doing something interesting. Yeah, I well, I just had a solo show come down that was up at uh, Alfred University that was curated by Micah. I don't know if y'all know Micah in the space, but he works with a lot with Glitch and GLBs and has a really great series called Glitch Dolls. And so I had a show up called Different Times of Day that was um, an imaginary world called Lark that I created. And essentially, it was like kind of you walk into the space with monitors kind of 360 around and the monitors were portraying Lark just from different times of day. So almost imagining a virtual space if you were like a photographer and kind of coming into that space and trying to find different perspectives and seeing the space um, with different lighting and things like that. And then I uh, used um, one of the pieces for my super rare Genesis. Um, maybe that was like a few weeks ago or like right around the holiday, right before the holiday break. But up up next, um, like I said, there's this basketball series that I'm really excited to drop. The sneakers are kind of on kind of my ongoing thing. Like I, I think of the sneakers as like a like a warm 
like a warm, cozy blanket that I just feel really cozy about. So the sneakers will, will always kind of continue to, to be there. But um, I do have a couple other gallery shows in, in the works, like something, something might be happening in Sweden and then um, something else that I can't say yet. But so there's, different things and I and you know just on the tip of what other people are saying it just you know feels important to be having the work in in brick and mortar spaces too and thinking about ways to portray the work that's not just on little devices and on the screens although I love that too um but yeah the bath for 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 object and Tezos the basketball thing is coming next and then I'm also working um on uh abstract an abstract series that's going to be called uh, molten core feelings and so using blender and ai to create different abstract works to evoke just just feelings and emotions well if there's one takeaway here for today i think it's this idea of getting your work out into you know the physical world irl right right Mm -hmm. I, I think that's really interesting what you say. And that's a real, it's a takeaway for me, definitely. Because, you know, even like we all have the opportunity. I mean, Shimosku Jackson, like it was an open call and he showed everybody that applied. So, you know, heads up for the next one he does. And I'll be sure to tell everybody from over here. Because, yeah, it, I, you know, I'm so glad I heard this. Because now it makes me want to, yeah, I should have work out in the physical world. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, Thank you, Sky Santiago, Martin Joe Chimosku, and more than anyone else, Joe Rogan's dad for co-hosting. Do you have any parting words, JRD? Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, first of all, thank you, Poco Belly, for putting on these spaces. Uh, you know, I think everyone here is a avid, you know, fan or watcher of your YouTube pro, uh, channel, and it gives us so much context in our community and it just it makes you know we're looking forward to things in a way that we necessarily wouldn't be without it um so i just want to say thank you and thank you to everyone that was speaking and you know uh chi masu that is really just that is a great bridge you're doing into the in real life world and you know congratulations on that and keep with it that's exactly what this space needs well thanks jrd and yeah the work inspires me to do that and le and lest we forget thank you everybody for listening in to today uh shout out to haiti rocket i see there just at the top and everybody else i see a big shout out and thank you for joining us once again and thank you everybody and we will talk to you hopefully next week come join in and we're gonna try and start posting people's links here uh so if you ever want to you know post your latest work. I want to get doing that. So anyways, thanks everyone. And we'll see you next time.